God's design for marriage is found in Matthew chapter 19. Jesus said, at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Welcome to By Design from American Family Radio. This is Bert Harper, one of the hosts of By Design, and it's my privilege to be so uh, grouped with other people that love God's design, uh, and we also love the designer. Our relationship with the designer is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, The Bible makes it plain. The only way to God is through Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. And I'm praying that you know Christ is Savior. And if you do not, I pray that you would ask him to be Lord of your life. Surrender your life to him. He, He is worth serving and following. And it's not only so in life, it's also true in marriage and in family. Uh, God has designed that in such a way that it stretches us. Uh, I, I've pastored for many years, and I, I've been a husband for many years, a father for many years. And each one of those uh, stretches me in my comfort zone to say, okay, Bert, you need to change here and do that. But one of the areas that I want to share with you that I struggle with, and it's communication. Now, here is a preacher. He makes his living, quote, communicating. But when it comes to relationships with those closest to you, uh, it is one difficult thing. Uh, Gary Smalley's talked about the communication difficulty. Uh, Gary Chapman's talked about that communication difficulty. And uh, I think it's because it's male and female. We just think differently. Uh, People have said it, and I believe it. We're like men or like waffles. We compartmentalize everything. And a woman's mind is more like a spider web. Everything is connected. And when it comes across in conversation, that happens. But there's a story. Uh, Now, it has nothing to do with marriage, but it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's not very long. It's in the book of Judges, of all places, and it's in chapter 12. And there had been a great battle, and the enemy was caught on one side along with some of the people that were the, the, not the enemy, but they were the warriors for, for the winning side. And they could not tell the difference. They didn't have all the uniforms the way we do and all the things going on. Didn't have dog tags to keep up with it. So they designed a a way to figure out who the enemy was and who the, the partners were on the team that they were on. And they had to cross a river to come back on their side. So they put their people all along the river to make sure that the people who were coming in were people who were their team, their partners, their equal warriors. And it's found in, again, Judges chapter 12. And it says, this is about the Ephraimite. And he said, they should say to him, when they say Shibboleth, Shibboleth, make sure they say it. Because the enemy cannot say Shibboleth, they'll say Sibboleth. Now, that's a small difference, Shibboleth, Sibboleth. Now, the members of the right team would say Shibboleth. 
but the members of the enemy, they could not say it that way. They were, uh, they could not communicate that way. They'd say Sibboleth because they couldn't put the sh on the front part of it. Now, that is a very small difference, very small, but it was the difference between understanding and them being on the team and them not being able to say it and not being on the team. I find that true in communication many times with not just family members, with, with others, that there's a little gap between there, something that they do not hear, something that they cannot say, something that they don't know how to say. So I, I pray that this would help you today because I think God gave us two ears <laughs> and one mouth for a reason. We need to listen a lot more than we do uh, talk. Now, when we listen, we need to listen with our heart. We're going to get to that, but there's levels of communication. If you start looking at it and you say levels of communication and you look on the internet and find out what I'll say, you'll find three, four, seven. You find all the different people. I, I like the one that has five. And uh, if you can visualize this, here's what I want you to do. Draw a triangle. Okay, and at the top of that triangle is uh, you. You start drawing four lines. When you draw four lines, you'll have four different areas in the triangle. You'll have five different areas. Excuse me. You'll draw four lines, but there'll be five different areas in the triangle. At the top, you'll say cliches. You know, it's a warm day, isn't it? You say that to someone, and then you have facts. The fact, yes, it's going to be 30 degrees or it's going to be 90 degrees, whatever the facts might be. And then you add opinions. And that means I'm going to get a good suntan. And that's one of the healthiest things you can do is stay out in the sun and get that vitamin that comes in. That's an opinion. And then you go to feelings. After you go to cliches, facts, opinions, feelings, you're going down. You're not going up. You're bringing that triangle down. And it, I want to just tell you, you feel like, and you say, I feel like this is what God is bringing about. This is the day the Lord has made. And, and you express feelings. And then you come to the bottom, the bottom part of the triangle on communication, and it's called transparency. It's an area that's bigger than the rest, and it's difficult to express a lot of times, but it's transparency, letting someone in on your true self. Now, again, this is a triangle. You got five different levels, cliches, facts, opinions, feelings, and transparency. And when you see this and you have this, you find out that you're communicating. Cliches is small. Transparency is big, according to how big you drew your triangle. Now, who do you communicate that with? Who do you say cliches to? Who do you express the facts to? Who do you let in on your opinions? Who do you express your feelings for? Who do you open up completely and let people know who you really are? These are the five levels of communication, or they are five levels of communication. Now, what you would do if you have a piece of paper, you draw that triangle over here and you put those five levels in there. Then to the right of that, you draw an inverted triangle, an inverted. In other words, the base is at the top and the pinnacle is at the bottom. And you draw those four lines equal 
to the ones you have on the triangle on the left side. And in that group, you put these words, general public. That's in the big one. You start at the top. That's the huge amount. Then you go to acquaintance, those people that you barely know. And then you go to your work associates and work friends and maybe neighbors. That's in the third. That's in the middle. Then you go down to your close friends. And then the bottom one is your spouse. Now, if you look at that, you'll see that the cliches match up with the general public. Facts match up with your acquaintance. Opinions matches up with your your work associates, your neighbors. And then your feelings, they match up with your close friends. And your transparency, it matches up with your spouse. This is the level of communication, but it's also showing who you communicate with. In other words, we'll start at the bottom. The only person that you're to be totally transparent with, complete transparency, is your spouse. You assuredly don't want to be transparent with someone of the opposite sex. That's letting them on territory that no one else deserves. Uh, And when you do that, you're breaking barriers. You're breaking down so many barriers, and you make yourself vulnerable to a relationship that God says, no, this relationship is just between you and your spouse. It's not you and someone else. This is not sexual. We're not talking about that. We're talking about communication. We're talking about letting the real you be seen by another person completely, nothing hidden, nothing's in the shadows, everything is out there. Now, that's the bottom line. Now, when you go up and you go up past transparent, you go to feelings, those is with close friends. Now, this is really interesting. Men usually have fewer best friends than, than women. Uh, I've read this, and I can say it's close to true with me, that I've had about three or four best friends all my life. These are best friends that I don't mind letting them know my feelings. Uh, It's not just my opinions, but it's my feelings. I'm feeling down. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling like I don't have anywhere to go. Men usually do not have that many best friends. Women? By and large, now this is not a certainty, but most of the time, most women have more. They usually double the amount of best friends that men have. Uh, you know, a man will be talking and he'll say, you know, uh, you know, my friend over there and the wife will say, you mean you call them a friend? You don't even talk to them maybe once a year. But for a man, that is a friend. For the female, that's got to be that communication. And so these feelings, it's what you don't say. Uh, you shouldn't say this way. Uh, in other words, what you want them to know is how you really feel. But at the same time, you do not let them in on every aspect of your life. That's true for male and female both, the feelings to those close friends. Then you go up to opinions. You share that with your work associates. You share that with your your neighbors, you know, your opinions about certain things. Notice how that gets bigger. You can share that information with them. You can share your opinions with a lot of people. And then it goes up to facts. You can share the facts of situations. A list of facts doesn't change your family. 
Uh, if you just try to communicate with your family, your wife, your husband, with just facts, those of us that are old enough to remember the the police uh, television program, uh, you know, Dragnet, there's a character on there, Joe Friday, and they would be investigating a crime, and he'd say to the man or woman, just the facts, please. Well, in a family, you need more than just the facts. You need to have some feelings in there to be expressed, to be shared. Even your opinions may be important, but your opinions given over all the time, it will run dry. And you got to have more than cliches with your family. <laughs> you don't get up and just say to your wife before you leave, hey, uh, have a good day. No, you need to express more than that. Let me suggest you praying with them. Let me suggest you sharing with them what you're going to go, uh, what what difficulties you may have, some important meetings you might have. You share with them and what you want to do, not just cliches. Have a good day. See you later. Uh, life is more than that. Now, those cliches are fine when you go into a store and they have a greeter and you say, so Warren, it's, you know, just have, have a good day goodbye or whatever. Those cliches are fine. You find yourself being friendly that way. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's a large group of people that you're referring to and talking with. But in the facts, it's your acquaintances. So these are the five levels of communication. And so when you do that, you finding out that with your family, you need so much more. And when you do that, it helps your family to feel involved in your in your life. If you only give them facts and opinions concerning yourself, you're selling yourself short. You're selling them them short, and they're not going to get involved in your life. You're demonstrating to your children how they need to communicate with one another, how they can communicate with you, how they can come and share their feelings and their hearts with you. And that's what you desire. You want them to have that kind of relationship with you where they can tell you the deep things that they're going through uh, at school, uh, in the neighborhood, on their, on their ball team, on their competition, uh, you know, what, at their part-time job, you want them to be able to communicate with you. And if you don't demonstrate that in your life, I doubt if it's going to be reality in their lives. And it may be difficult. They may be a little shy. They may be a little awkward in sharing with that. But you keep on demonstrating that, and it will be caught. Uh, it is taught and caught. It is both and. It's not either or. And when you're communicating, it's always the truth. What I said, <laughs> what I meant to say, and then the person, what they heard, and then what they all they thought they heard, communication is so hard. Uh, that's the reason parroting is so important. If they say something to you and it's not clear, the big thing to do is to repeat back what you think you've heard. And you say, did I hear you say? And sometimes I say, yes, that's right on. Sometimes I say, no way. That is not what I said. I don't understand how you heard that. And you rephrase it again and you try to say it again. This is by design. God developed communication. You remember what God said? God first loved us before we could love him. God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That communication in the book of Hebrews, 
it talks about it plainly, that God has spoken to us in the past through creation, through angels, through the law, through prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ communicated God's love. He demonstrated God's love. While he talked the talk, he walked the walk. He wouldn't just say hi to the leper. He would touch the leper, and and he didn't have to. They had probably never been touched in years, but he would touch them in healing them. He would take time to talk with people. That is Jesus being real in our lives. And if we can do it with others, we need to really do it with our family members to let them know of our feelings and our heartaches and all the things that go with life because we're to live life together and in a family it means that we share our feelings, we share our thoughts. And then not only is that of speaking, you know, because communication is speaking, but it's also listening. Uh, I think many times personalities have a lot to do with that. I know uh, Dr. Uh, Gary Smalley, he wrote the book on the personalities concerning the animals, the beaver the golden retriever, the lion, and the otter. And each one of those he developed, you're saying people express themselves in that way. And we find out when you look at the, at the characteristics, golden retrievers are great listeners. And sometimes lions are not the great listeners because they're out there doing and they're pushing and they're going. So all of those things has a lot to do. But every one of us needs to develop an ability to listen. Just like there are four, or I should say five levels of communication, uh, there's also, according to Stephen Covey, five levels of listening. And I wanted to share those with you today because God's given us two ears and one mouth for a reason. So I think we may need to concentrate on listening twice as much as we do our speaking I don't know if that's what God meant by design when he gave us two ears. We would look funny with two mouths, though. I have to admit that. So two ears and one mouth looks good. It's symmetrical. But I think there's some truth in it. The five levels of listening, one is ignoring, pretending, that's two. Three is selective listening, and then attentive listening, and finally, empathetic listening. Now, again, ignoring listening is easy to define. It's completely zero effort. In other words, I'm not listening. I'm, I'm, my eyes are not on you. My mind is somewhere else. I'm focused on something else other than engaging in you. Now, if it's a family member, if it's someone close, and you are ignoring them, I want to tell you, you're, you're committing a great atrocity. You're going in a completely wrong direction. You need to wipe that off and say, I'm not going to ignore you. I, I just want to tell you, being ignored is one of the, the most difficult things to overcome. It is the biggest slap in the face there is. And a lot of times I've heard people say 
The reason children act out or the reason a husband or a wife do things is they feel ignored and therefore they do something that will get your attention. Even if it's negative, it's better than being ignored. So don't let ignoring listening be a part of what you're about in your family. That is wrong and it will lead lead to destruction. Just what I remember the enemy came to do, kill, steal, and destroy. And ignoring in your listening, ignoring people will cause that to happen in your family and you don't want that. But the second level of listening is pretending listening. Uh, Let me see. I think Jesus called that hypocrites. Oh, man, that hurts, doesn't it? That's hypocritical, but pretending listening, given the appearance of listening when you could care less, when your mind is not on it. Now, I I just want to tell you that can happen because you may have something so important on your mind that your mind is elsewhere. Your thoughts are elsewhere. Well, what you need to do when that happens, say, to the person who is talking to you, the family member, your spouse, your children, your grandchildren, who it? wait just a minute, uh, let me, let me uh, get a, a drink of water. And while you're taking that drink of water, you think, okay, God, this problem that I'm thinking about is going to be here when I'm through. But right now, God, help me to have my mind clear so I can hear what they're saying. Don't pretend to hear because you'll get caught. You know what will happen? After they get through and you've pretended to hear, they'll ask you a question and you have no idea how to answer that question because you weren't listening. And they'll say, did you hear what I said? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, what did I say? You have no idea. Pretending listening to get you into deep, deep water. Put these two out of your listening levels. Don't ignore. Do not pretend. The third is selective listening. Now, this is the one that I think may be the most common. Uh, we, 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 I hear wives saying to, uh, about their husbands, they have selective hearing. They only hear what they want to hear. Uh, I'm not sure that's just true with husbands. That may be true with females as well. But the selective hearing is something that you have to overcome. It is the most common. There's no doubt in my mind. It's the one that we have to listen carefully to be able to do that. Uh, Listening to parts. uh, Listening to parts of what they're saying. Now, this will happen this way. They'll be telling us something, and we'll hear a word or we'll hear a phrase that gets our attention, and we don't hear anything besides that. You know, that's all we hear. Uh, when someone, one of your family members, are telling you a concern they have, and that concern has something to do with what you said, what you did, where you went, what you hear when you do that. You hear that, and you don't hear the reason they have these concerns, that you just hear what you did wrong. Well, listen to the whole body of the network. Watch and listen carefully. Don't be selective. Don't go to seed on one phrase. And while I'm there, let me just say this about communicating with that. Be careful by saying all the time, every time. Be careful with leading that Uh, And and be careful with the you statements. When you're communicating something, be careful. Try not to start with 
every time or you do this, start with when, start with where, start with some other word so that at least they'll hear you part of the way before they cut you off in their selective hearing. Um, I found out it really helps. You got to work at it. It doesn't come natural. It comes natural to start out with the you statements. It comes natural to start out with exaggerations. You do this all the time. That's compounded, you and exaggerated. So be careful about the selective hearing. The fourth level, uh, uh, selective listening, I should say, selective listening or hearing. The fourth area is attentive listening, attentive. You make eye contact. Uh, you, you give everything you have to them. You're seeking to achieve some kind of connection. You're not just listening passively. You're not listening just for information. You're listening to see what's on the inside of them. You're listening. You're making eye contact. You're thinking, and you're trying to hear each word. You're, you're looking to see how they phrase those words. You're looking at all of that and listening to all that, trying to be attentive in every way. Now, it's, it's hard sometimes because, again, it, we're easily distracted. We can look and, and, and think of something that happened at work or we're thinking about something we got to do when this conversation is over. And you're thinking about that rather than having your full attention on this conversation that you're having with your spouse, with your children, with your grandchildren. And you need to be focused on that. God designed us that way by design. God did that because he does that with us. There's a song, and I, I love the song about Jesus on the cross. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Now, again, that's poetic, but Jesus died, and you've heard it said, if you'd been the only person in the world that could be saved, Jesus would have taken and gone to the cross for you. I'd say he was attentive to our needs. We need to be that way. We need to be attentive to the needs and the hurts of our loved ones in attentive listening. Now, the fifth area is empathy, empathy listening. And when we're empathetic listening, we've got our whole being. We're watching their body movement. We're watching their eyes to see uh, what they're looking at, not just just seeing if they're looking at me. it, It takes mental and emotional energy. You're putting your all into it, and it usually happens when something very difficult is going on, the death of someone in the family, the loss of a job, the possibility of, of a disease, and they're there sharing with you their heart, their difficulties, their pain, and you need to enter in. That's the empathetic empathy part of it. We enter in with them and see how this has affected them. It's where their heart and our mind, in other words, our total being, we're doing our best to listen so that we cannot necessarily answer, but so we can be there. That's what they want more than anything. We don't always have the answers. We don't always know what to say, but we can pray and we can see what their needs are. That's God's desire. So in communicating, there's the speaking. There's the listening. In communicating, there's two ears, one mouth. God's proportionate it that way. 
And I think we need to be on target with our family, with our spouse, that we love him first and we hear him. We talk to him. Therefore, we talk to our spouse. We talk to our children. That's by design. And I pray that you'll be a better communicator, a better listener, because God has made us the way he's made us, desiring to love one another, care for one another in the love of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to By Design, and I pray that God would use this so you can be an effective spouse and parent and child in your family.